Seltzer Kings podcasts. Hi, it's uh, it's me, Dave. You know who I am and why we're all here. Except today we're we're not here like we usually are to have a little lighthearted fun at the expense of the corporate fascist oligarchs we've, who've sucked this country dry just to funnel monies into their yacht budget. Yeah. I started this podcast back in 2015 as a goof, as a way to mock the upcoming 2016 elections with a series of rants come monologues about the absurdity that was the shit show of American politics. And then, well, you know what happened. And then the podcast became a weekly scream in the wilderness about the horror of watching the country I wasn't always proud of, but I thought at least had a future, slowly morphing into a bad reality show about a petty dictator who somehow became the leader of the most powerful nation on the planet. And we all know how that went. Now, towards the end of that shit show, this podcast morphed into something that uh, was uh, a little different. It uh, was look- looking back at the politics and the history of the pop culture that got us where we are today. I did this because the screaming of the wilderness had left me hoarse, tired, not a little nihilistic. Now, I like where the show is now. I like talking about stupid shit that happened decades ago. And that's not going to change. But for this week... I- I can't do that show. I can't not talk about what happened in Buffalo, in Texas. And I know that I don't change anyone's minds with these little screeds. And if you're listening to me now, you probably agree with me on most things and the things we don't agree on. Well, you're you're open-minded enough to stick around through for the dick and fart jokes. And I, I appreciate that. But this week, I got no dick and fart jokes. This week, I'm, I'm sad and I'm tired. And I'm going to climb back up on my tiny soapbox and scream into the wilderness again. Now, if you want to stick around for that, that's great. If you don't, for any reason, maybe you don't want to hear what I have to say, or maybe you're just tired of hearing about all of it. You can jump out now. No problems. No grudges. Understand completely. And come back next week uh, when we're talking about eight-track tapes, which even I can't make all that political. Though, you know, I'm probably going to try. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you may offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Isaiah 115, New Living Translation. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar. I read the book once, took some Theo classes in college, and I did grow up in an evangelical faith, which, uh, to be honest, did more to fuck up my understanding of the Bible than it ever helped me understand it. So I'm not saying that I am getting exactly what this verse is all about. And I make no pretense to understand the historical concept of Isaiah and how (laughs) this was all written and how the prophet Isaiah said this to admonish the Israelites for, I don't know, worshiping Baal or whatever fuckery these Bronze Age asshats were up to at the time. But, but I do know a sick burn when I read one and that verse, sick burn. Here's their God telling these people essentially, yep, y'all fucked around. Now you're coming to me with your prayers? Well, now you find out, because I ain't answering your shit while you're lifting up those praying hands all covered with the blood of your sacrifices. This is probably why I'm just never going to be a preacher. My sermons would contain an awfully lot of swearing. Ah, if I were a preacher, (laughs) I do wonder what their God would say if there were a God, which 
<laughs> hey, it's abundantly clear there isn't, based on even the most cursory examination of the world around us today. I wonder what he'd say now. All the thoughts and prayers, folks, lifting up their bloody hands, asking his mercy for the souls of the murdered and the easing of the suffering of their loved ones. Again, not a preacher, and uh, there's no fucking God except the late Neil Pert. But I cannot help but think that God, which we were there, which he's not, would say, no, y'all, nope, get the fuck out of here with that shit. You're complicit in the murder. I don't want to hear any of that from you while you still got the blood right there on your goddamn hands. And since the non-existent God doesn't want to hear our shit and Neil Peart is dead, who can we turn to to ease our self-inflicted pain from what happened in Buffalo, Texas, and the rest of the country? Who can we ask for redress of the stolen lives of tin in the Buffalo supermarket, whose only sin was being black in a country that really does kind of think that is a sin? And 19 children and two adults at a fucking elementary school in Texas whose only sin was being born in a country that loves guns more than loves its kids. Who are we going to ask for help for that? Joe Biden? Look, Joe Biden can do just as much as the imaginary sky wizard or dead Neil Pert to fix this problem in America. Congress? Congress is so broken they can't wipe their own asses after a messy shit unless 60 senators agree on whether it's a water fold situation. The court? In about two weeks, the court's going to overturn yet another gun law and shovel more fuel under the fire of violence of this nation. The five justices of the Taliban wing of the court would only call the cops on the people praying outside their houses because they felt threatened that maybe one of them had a gun that they themselves had made it easier to get. Your local government can't do anything, mostly because you don't know who's in your fucking local government anyway. And they're far too busy making it easier for real estate hedge funds to buy up all the local housing in your, in your town so it can be converted to Airbnbs for rich Chinese to come over and get a look at the collapse of America firsthand. They're not going to do anything about guns, and even if they did, the state governments would overturn their laws because the state governments are mostly dominated by shitheads that believe the imaginary sky wizard mans them, mandates them to give freedom to everyone who wants it and is white. So, all you really have left to do is, uh, I don't know, post on social media and record an episode of your low-rated podcast. I've got a friend. He's my last remaining friend to the right of me in the political spectrum. And to be honest with you, he's a brilliant mind. And he's very much, despite being a brilliant mind, on the more guns equal more safe side of things. He's very libertarian in the real definition of the word libertarian, not, not the contemporary one. You know, the one that says, I'm a libertarian for me, but not a libertarian for the sense of word, sense of the word. And for the last year, a few years, my friend has been quietly urging all of us to start preparing for a social, economic, and political collapse. He does this by teaching self-sustainability in practical ways, how to grow and preserve your own food, how to safely handle weapons, and offers practical advice for surviving the collapse he sees as imminent. And it'll be easy to write him off as just another whack-job prepper building the bunker for end times if you didn't know him. I do know him. And I don't always agree with him. In fact, I rarely agree with him. But you know what? I listen to him because, well, take a look around. I've got another friend, well, to the left of me, which is really saying something. Now, he firmly believes and quietly advocates for an armed insurrection by the left. 
I mean, he doesn't come right out and say that because that's the sort of thing that makes you need to get a new Facebook profile and maybe get you a visit from nice gentlemen with federal credentials because a leftist insurrection is a threat to national security while whatever the shit's going on on the right is just, you know, good old boys never meaning no harm. That is until they storm your capital or kidnap your governor so they can rape, torture, and murder her. Either way, it would be pretty easy to write off my friend as just another leftist whack job if you didn't know him. And I do know him. And honestly, take a look around. So what about me? Your humble pot host. What do I think? Well, I've studied history. I mean, not studied history like a PhD candidate digging through archives trying to bring to light some obscure argument supporting my thesis that Calvin Coolidge's painful hemorrhoids were the reason why he was so obstinate to use federal power. See, you think I'm joking, but I know a shitload of PhD candidates and people who have PhDs in history, and that's not a joke. No, I study history like you would use YouTube to look up a video to fix a plumbing problem. You see, I spot something that's going wrong in contemporary times, then I go back looking for information about things that were kind of like what's going wrong now, but someone fixed the problem, be it a century ago or decades ago. And what I found in that kind of study of history is much like the YouTube videos purporting to fix your constantly running toilet, the solutions they use to fix our social problems were just good enough to get past that particular moment in time, and then they left the big repair to someone else to take care of at some unspecified time in the future. The good enough for now approach to both toilet repair and governance. But <laughs> this may be a big surprise. There's a huge problem when uh, you leave these sort of things to be fixed at some point in time in the future. If you're at your toilet, it's that eventually it's going to collapse into a pile of porcelain and spew shit all over your bathroom. If it's your society, at some point, that's gonna collapse into a huge pile of ungovernable factions and start spewing shit all over your country. And it has happened before, twice, in 1861 and once about a century later. And even after those shit explosions, both times we did just enough to spackle the toilet back together and hope that someone would come along with a permanent fix later. Guess what? It's later. It's later than you think. Because, hey, hey, if you're worrying that America is on the verge of the Civil War, I got some good news for you. You can stop worrying about us, us being on the verge of a civil war because we've been in one for years. We've been in one since I would say 1999 when two heavily armed children walked into a high school in Colorado and killed 12 kids and wounded 21 more. It's a war fought by child soldiers, you see, and one side has guns and the other side has a Mickey Mouse backpack with a Kevlar insert. Or, or it's fought in the civil wars and we fight the civil wars in movie theaters when some chud who believes he's a fucking Batman villain in Aurora, Colorado walks into a theater with so many guns strapped to him that even a Hollywood producer goes, eh, you know, maybe that's a bit much. And that guy, that guy killed 10 people and wounded 70 more. Again, one size had guns, the other size had a jumbo popcorn and a large fucking Coke. 
It was fought again in a school in Newtown, Connecticut, when some sad sack fuckwad walked into an elementary school with his birthday present and opened fire on first and second graders because girls wouldn't talk to him or something. He killed 20 little kids and their teacher. It happened in Las Vegas when some chode with enough guns to arm a small Central American dictatorship opened up on a country music festival, killing 60 people and wounding 411 more whose only offense was listening to Jason Aldean and this is before he came out as a MAGA asshat. The shooter had an arsenal. The victims had shitty tasted music, which turns out not a great defense against five, five, six rounds. I could spend the next hour recounting the battles of this, our second civil war, and the tactics would all be the same. One side has all the fucking guns, and the other side was just out there living their lives. For a little while, anyway. Charlotte Keyes wrote in 1966, suppose they gave a war and nobody came. Well, now we know what happens if we give a war and only one side comes, because we're living in it right now. Needless to say, we're losing. We're losing because we aren't even fighting the other side. And the other side loves to fucking fight. And that's why they're winning. We surrendered. They keep killing us. And we just surrender some more. It's funny that we should be losing the second civil war to like ones and twos, you know, because we've got bombers and tanks and rockets and machine guns. And that's just one small town middle America police department. The federal government has much more shit. But the problem is a lot of the people holding all those assets are kind of on the other side, you know, the side that, that kill a bunch of children in their classrooms, that side of the issue. Oh, they, they don't want you to say it like that, but it's true. People with the guns don't want you taking them away because then you would have the guns and maybe, I don't know, you're coming to their gender reveal parties or after church lunches at Applebee's and blow their fucking heads off or something. Or maybe you'd send them off to gay atheist transgender camps and force them to watch Liza Minnelli movies and have their dicks cut off. I'm not at all sure what they're really afraid of other than just this one thing. They're terrified that they don't get to tell us what to believe, what to do, and who to fuck. The other side of the second civil war believes that an imaginary sky wizard is about to come and take them all home to Jesus and anything they can do to speed that along is that's for the best. And hey, if we lose a couple dozen children every few years, well, that's why they're outlawing abortions so we can have more kids that have been killed in their classrooms in a few years after that. It's the circle of life, y'all. It's the way God wants it. You know, I'm supposed to turn this thing around, right? Give you some inspiring speech about voting or some horse shit like that. But we all know you're not going to do it. Even if you did, nothing would really change because we vote. We vote a lot. We win by millions. But the system, y'all, the system don't change. And the system is built to keep us fighting. Everyone knows this. Everyone says something should be done. And everyone does nothing because they know the system is working for the other side of the second civil war. People love to quote that Yates poem about the rough beast slouching towards Bethlehem. I know I do, but I gotta tell you, the center, it's holding like a motherfucker. And the center is the fucking apathy and cynicism that powers the system so that it doesn't change. The power that the machine that runs the machine that's consuming our children, our future, and our fucking survival on this planet. I want to tell you, 
Oh, we can turn this all around, throw our bodies on the machine and stop it in its tracks. But that's not how wars end, is it? The way wars end is when one side kills enough of the other side and forces them to surrender. Only this time, you know, we keep surrendering and they keep killing. They kill our children in their classrooms. They kill us in grocery stores. They kill us by blocking our attempts to do something about guns, about the climate, about anything. And they'll keep killing us because they believe they can't kill enough of us to force us to surrender. They have to kill us all because that's the only way they get to heaven. And also the only way the rich fuckers get to keep buying their fucking yachts. We are as far apart now as we ever have been. And yet somehow I suspect that both of my friends, the one on the far right and the one on the far left, they're both right. Sooner or later, the other side is going to pick up a gun and start shooting back because you can't have a war really until both sides come. And if you're holding out for somebody to show up with a quick fix to this problem and then hope that somebody will come along a little bit later with a permanent one, I got some news for you. It's a lot later than you think it is. It's way, way later than you hope it is. And it's way, way too late to raise up your hands and pray to a God that isn't there, especially when you've got so much blood on them. That's it. That's it for this week. Thanks for sticking with me through this very unpleasant catharsis. And look, I I'm really sorry for leaving you all where I left you, but that's where I'm at. And I don't really like it here because... I'm scared to be alone out here in the dark. I hope the next week will be better and we can talk about silly shit again. I hope that uh, that that brutal, brutal sinner that keeps us all together doesn't go into overdrive and makes us start killing each other in numbers. But we don't know. We'll just have to wait and see next week where I hope to see you then. Thanks. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.